Our reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, and we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 15, which can be found on page 10 of the church Bibles, and it's also going to appear on the screen, and we'll look at that together. I'm going to read from verse 7. This is God speaking to Abraham in verse 7 of chapter 15. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete." When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Well, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we're going to look at that together, and as we do, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather round your word now, uh, and just the privilege it is to, to, to be able to be here together and uh, hear you speak to us as we open it. We thank you uh, that you um, speak by your spirit through your word, that it is living and active and that it uh, speaks to our hearts. And so we pray now that as we gather, whatever may be going on in our minds right now, whatever things are going on in our lives right now, uh, would you lift our eyes to you and would you speak to us? Would you open our hearts to receive your word? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you were to use a word to, to sum up the past decade, what would it be? It's almost 10 years since we voted in an independence referendum here in Scotland, uh, and that was followed by Brexit. Uh, hot on the heels of that came the pandemic, and then uh, we were plunged into the situation uh, with Ukraine, and then a cost of living crisis. Now, I'm sure there are a variety of words that might be used to describe the past 10 years. Uh, but if I was to pick one, um, I think that might be uncertainty. There has been so much uncertainty in our lives 
over these past few years. I mean, football fans can't even celebrate a goal with confidence anymore. They have to wait for the VAR review to take place. We really are living in uncertain times. If the past decade has taught us anything, it's how little control we have over the future. It's hard to be sure of anything anymore. And that can be very unsettling, can't it? Not knowing what's around the corner. So where can we look for certainty in a world full of uncertainty? How can we be sure about anything? Well, that's really what the passage that we're looking at today is all about. Here in Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham ask God that how can I be sure question. And we see God give him an emphatic answer that provides certainty, not just for Abraham back then, but for all God's people since. This passage is a great place to go when we are struggling with doubt or uncertainty about the future, because it reveals a God who is in full control, even when we might feel like life is out of control. If you look with me at verse 7 of the passage that we just read, we read there, and, and he, that's God, said to him, that's Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Now, if you were here last week, uh, you'll remember that we saw God repeat his promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. It was a very specific promise that God gave Abraham, that that, that nation would come from Abraham's very own son. But it wasn't just a specific promise, it was an extraordinary one, given that Abraham, he was an old guy by the time God came with that promise. He was 85 years old. So what God was promising Abraham would take a miracle. And yet, despite the unlikely nature of the promise, we're told in verse 6 of the passage, just before the one we're looking at today, and he, that's Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed God's promise of a son. And in the passage that we're looking at today, the focus is on the other part of God's covenant promise to Abraham. God's promise of a land. It was a promise that we first saw back uh, at the start of this series in Genesis chapter 12, when, when God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a nation who would be given a land to possess. And here in Genesis chapter 15, just as he did with the promise of descendants, God gets very specific about the promise of the land. But it's a promise that's met with uncertainty, verse 8. But but Abraham said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now, this question is not a question of unbelief. Abraham had just shown great faith in God's promise of a son. He believed God. This is more a question seeking assurance. He wanted to believe God, but he needed help to overcome his uncertainty. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're very aware of God's promises to his people in the Bible. Maybe there are times where you have 
confidence in those promises. They, they feel very real to you. But maybe there are times where you struggle to believe. It's not that you're cynical about God's promises. You just struggle with uncertainty and doubt. You struggle with assurance. When you're in that place, what is it that you need to know about God to give you confidence in his promises? Well, we see the answer to that question in God's answer to Abraham. If you look with me at verse 9, God said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought them all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So Abraham, he asks for assurance, and then God instructs him to carry out this pretty gruesome ritual. What is that all about? What are we meant to make of it? Well, what God was instructing Abraham to do would have been a, a common custom that Abraham would have been familiar with. It was a way of making a binding promise to another. A promise that met with the penalty of death should the promise be broken. Kent Hughes comments on this. The ceremony dramatized a self-imposed curse should either of the covenanting parties break the pledge. The sense was, if I break my word, may I become like this severed animal. So God was making a binding promise to Abraham of the most serious nature. Such was his commitment to Abraham. And then he assures Abraham of the fulfillment of his promise by giving him a glimpse of the future. If you look with me at verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham and behold, dreadful darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So God reveals uh, to Abraham in a dream how his promise would be fulfilled. And he begins by giving a detailed account of what awaited Abraham's descendants. He gives specifics of their enslavement by a foreign power, and of how God would, would rescue them by judging the nation that held them captive, and, and then how he would provide for them as they left that land with an abundance of possessions. He even details the length of time that they would be enslaved for. What God tells Abraham is extremely specific. And we know that what God told Abraham, it actually happened. It came to pass. Uh, we read all about it in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. We read there of how God's people, Abraham's descendants, Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And then through Moses, 
They were rescued by God. We learn how, how God judged Egypt with ten plagues and how the Israelites left Egypt with all sorts of possessions. Everything happened just as God promised Abraham. He goes on in verse 16 to detail their return to the land where they would take possession of it. Again, all this happened just as God had promised. We read about it in the Old Testament. God was showing Abraham all this to give him confidence in his promises. You see, to, to give such specifics about events that were hundreds of years in the future, that was only possible because God was in control of what was yet to happen. And this is a key truth about God that we see taught throughout the Bible, that God is sovereign, that he is in control, as we've just been singing, that we know he holds the future. Nothing happens outside the scope of his providential hand. God could give such a detailed account of what would happen because he is the one who purposed and planned it. And there was no opposition, not even Pharaoh, the king of the most powerful nation on the planet at the time these things would come to pass, who could do anything to thwart his purposes. And this is why we can have total confidence in a world of uncertainty. Because the God who made these detailed promises to Abraham is the same God that we look to today. He hasn't changed. He is still in control. He is still working out his good purposes in the lives of his people. And there is no ruler, no power, no force that can stand in his way. Now, sometimes people struggle with this idea, this idea that God is in control because it, it raises questions about human responsibility. The obvious question people ask is, in what sense are we free if God has purposed and planned everything? And that's a good question. And it's actually a question that finds an answer at the end of the book of Genesis and an incident that that takes place among some of Abraham's descendants. In Genesis chapter 50, we read of an incident between Joseph and his brothers. If you know the story, you'll know that, that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And after much suffering, Joseph rose to be the most powerful man in Egypt after Pharaoh. From there, he, he saved countless lives from famine, including his own brothers. And in Genesis 50, after their father Jacob had died, the brothers worry that Joseph is going to turn against them for the way that they had treated him in the past. But in his response to them, we get a deep insight into the relationship between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Joseph says to them in chapter 50 of Genesis in verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. 
Joseph recognized that the same action had two very different intentions. By selling him into slavery, Joseph's brothers had wicked intent. But God intended the saving of many lives. What we see there is both truths clearly taught, that God is sovereign and that human beings are responsible for their actions. The same action was both a demonstration of God's sovereignty at work, while at the same time, clearly an action which these brothers were responsible for. And these are two truths that we see run throughout the Scripture, that God is in control, while at the same time, human beings are responsible for their actions. How those two truths fit exactly together, I don't know. I can't tell you. I've studied this for a long time. But it's very clear in Scripture that both are true. And so back in Genesis 15, as God reveals to Abraham in detail what will happen, Abraham was able to have confidence that what God promised would come to pass because he could trust in God's sovereign control. He could have faith that nothing and no one could thwart him. And belief in God's sovereignty is so, so important for so many reasons. For one, it enables us to make some sense of the seemingly senseless things that we face in life. If God is the early church leader, Paul says in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 8, if he is sovereignly bringing about his good purposes in the lives of his people in all things, then we can trust him that even when we face times that are really tough, when things are really hard, when we suffer as a result of our own sin or the sins of others, not even those moments are wasted. God is working out his purposes in all things, not just in good things. But more specifically, as it relates to this passage, just as Abraham could trust in promises that were yet to be fulfilled because of the character of the God who promised them, so we can trust that the promises that God has made to us will be fulfilled. And in fact, we have far more reason to believe than Abraham did. You see, Abraham, he trusted God for a promise that he would never see come to fruition. God tells him in verse 15, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The land would go to Abraham's descendants long after Abraham would be laid in the ground. He never got to see the promise of the land fulfilled in his lifetime. But we have the privilege of looking back on the history of God's people, of seeing how God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, and of how he led them to the promised land. But we also have the privilege of seeing how the promises that God made to Abraham have a far greater fulfillment, of how the rescue from Egypt was a foreshadowing of a far greater rescue, and of how the giving of the land 
It is only a forerunner to a far greater promise of an eternal kingdom. You see, we read verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now in the Bible, fire often represents God's presence. So what we have here is God represented in fire, committing himself to Abraham. As he walked between the severed carcasses, he was declaring to Abraham that if he broke his promise, he would bear the curse. And years later, he would bear the curse in the person of his son. Not because he had broken his promise, not because he had been unfaithful, but because those he had committed himself to They'd been unfaithful. The Bible is clear that we are the ones who are promise breakers. We are the ones who are under the curse of sin and death. But in Jesus Christ, God came to bear the curse for us. On the cross, he tasted death so that we don't have to. In Jesus Christ, God's promises find their ultimate fulfillment. He is the one who has achieved a far greater deliverance than the exodus from Egypt. He is the one who delivers anyone who trusts in him from the curse of sin and death. And he is the one who promises a far greater land than the one that was promised to Abraham. The promise of an eternal kingdom which can never be taken away. A kingdom where there will be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, no more uncertainty. And it's a promise that we can be absolutely certain of in a world of uncertainty because of the God who makes it the God of Abraham, the God who is in control, the God who cannot be defeated, the God whose will is always done, the God who sent his son to be our savior, the God whose promises never, ever fail. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise and thank you that you are the God of the universe, that you rule over all things, that there is nothing and no one that can thwart you, and so that when you make a promise, we can trust that you will always keep it. We thank you that we can look forward uh, to the future with a sure and certain hope that if we've put our trust in Jesus, then our sins have been forgiven and that we will spend eternal life with you in your eternal kingdom. And Lord, we pray that that 
by your Spirit, that you would implant that truth deep in our hearts so that as we face the uncertainty of today and situations that, that feel way beyond our control right now, that we can trust you, that we can have peace, knowing that ultimately your will is being done. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.